So that's a quick week, right? Yeah. So you guys were following, I think, more of the discussion in the few days after the keynote, I think. What were you doing? I don't know. I was looking at cat gifts. <laughs> He's happy with his tiny phone. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. So, no buyer's remorse for you exactly oh i'm gonna be so smug over the next few months it's gonna be class oh, no My you won't you won't phone. have a futuristic phone i cannot wait the little phone that could it's funny it's like you, you just read so much afterwards and it's like people are so pissed off constantly about the phone and what you needed to do is you needed to go on to the Android subreddit where everyone was talking about how great the phone was and how amazing it was. That's where you needed to be. You feel good about it. But I think after a week, every, all the kind of, everything's kind of died down a bit, a bit, you know. Reviews are coming out. Android were positive. They especially like the A10 chip. They think that is fantastic. That was the, the a majority of feedback anyway. Oh um, yeah, that's class. They really did like that. That's interesting because um, I learned this week that this architecture of, what do they call it, little big or something, which I, I thought was something to do with endianness, but actually is <laughs> what previous um, Android manufacturers had called their implementation of this sort of high power, low power chip thing. Yeah, Qualcomm do it a lot in their chips. But then everyone on Android was like, oh, they don't do it as well. But who knows if that's... They're, do, they're probably doing it just as well, but maybe the OS isn't capable of. Or maybe the OS just sucks. I'd imagine that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Android users have had this for ages. It's just, it's one of those great benefits it gets to the iPhone is that the hardware and the software is created, you know, together. So you're getting some benefits there. Uh, definitely. Dave, mm-hmm. have you thought of any solutions to your... Uh, bedtime podcast listening <laughs> dilemmas over the past week. Well, the solution is just to buy the earpods, but you know. What about a dock? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> more money. But I, I guess the dock is an upright thing. The the phone lying down in your bed, it's a bit easier, right? A bit safer. Like, I mean, the thing is, it is tethered to, you, and if you you know if you turn over or do something, it can be liable to to go on the floor or to you know. All sorts of, all sorts of stuff like that. So I think, uh, I just think wireless is definitely cleaner, but it's, 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 uh, can I afford to, to go wireless? So I think you can pick up pretty cheap wireless Bluetooth headphones for like 10 quid. Oh, you can. Yeah. And pre-charged and everything. <laughs> yeah, probably. But there was some at one of your, your party actually, Thomas, there at the weekend and won't name names, but they kind of said, you know, why do you want to wear headphones in bed when they get tangled up in you having Bluetooth ones? They won't get tangled up and choke your neck, you know. So it'd be worth trying out. But I think I'll, I'll probably pick up a, a cheapo pair of headphones for nighttime listening. Yeah, I think a lot of the problem with the, the cheap ones that I've seen and looked at is they have a fairly substantial behind the neck component. I would want and that as in a... But not in bed. No, as in like the battery pack is back there or something. Oh, okay. You know, um, so like the, the ear pods are a nice solution. And there is a company that has released or will be releasing on the same day as the, the AirPods come out an AirPod cable that connects the AirPods together. Nice. <laughs> the only bother is you have to take it off each time you want to recharge them, right? Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> so overall, from last episode, I think, you know, we were pretty positive overall, despite the sort of, I think, maybe some of the practical difficulties that, you know, the new setup entails, like, you know, we any... they're not going to be an issue in five years, like at all. Yeah, you know, they're they're going to be. It's just it's just teething pains. Like it's the same when you're like, oh, I don't have, uh, I can I can't use a floppy disk, and you're like, okay, well, I suppose I'll buy one of these USB keys that are fifty euro and keep it around with me for my eight megabytes, like you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then you get used to it and everything's fine. But it's just it's just that initial teething pain, like because they're not giving you the AirPods free with the phone which is what i kind of thought they might do um i think we talked about in a previous podcast even Um, a cheap solution yeah without like siri or anything like that in it and was it gruber's review where basically he 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 asked had uh beats had any input into the headphone design and the answer was kind of like don't ask that question (laughs) (laughs) it seems like a lot of the reviewers don't have well they're saying they don't have final versions of the earpods they're using um uh, I suppose they're probably they're probably final versions, but they were told they weren't anyway. So maybe any. So so I guess in one of the reviews on the Verge, the guy couldn't give a review of the earpods because they weren't final. Um, maybe that was something put in place by Apple. I'm not sure, or maybe they they definitely weren't a final version. They made are going to have a, a firmware update before. I don't know. It's a good point that there is actually. It wasn't the only thing that was sort of presented unfinished at the keynote, which is yeah, really t- not the case. Like the t- the photos thing on the seven plus as well, uh, portrait. Yeah, I think um, back with the iPad when they merged iPad OS and iPhone OS, I think that was the something that they showed, and then it was kind of like there was a big delay of a few months before they actually converged. Wait, was there an iPad OS? I don't know what it was. I think they just called it iOS then, but they were separate and there was oh, wow, features more like that. there was features there was that didn't a, come. Yeah, there was a convergence. Multitasking or something. Um and then then eventually the they they became one, so to speak. Crazy, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. So you so universal apps weren't a thing at one stage? Uh yeah, or at least the OS, <laughs> the OS w- wasn't unified, yeah. I guess, in the first cool. release. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I wonder, was it like a thing that they really, really, really wanted it? And it was just a case where, look, it's not finished. There's nothing we can do. It's not finished. Uh, we can fake it uh, on a demo, but yeah, it's just not finished. So they had to give up, but they were probably weren't happy about it. <laughs> I, I think it's great to see. I mean, it's absolutely much worse that they claim it's finished when it clearly wasn't, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, Baz, you, back to the headphone thing. So, some part of the internet is going a bit crazy. You um, you posted a link. Uh, this guy, an app developer, has sort of written a pretty long rant about kind of why he feels this headphone jack thing is just overblown. Yeah, it is a long read. Um, I think a lot of it was, okay... What does it mean for me as a as a user? What does it mean for his for my line of work? Sorry, I'm talking about him. Um, what does it mean for his line of work? Because he makes some um, he makes some equipment that actually 
podcast users use to record. So sorry, he makes some sorry, he makes some software for podcast users to record and all other audio stuff. And he kind of goes for those people, they'll have to get a separate jack because they use their iPhones for um, recording. Um, but he's like, for them, they'll get a separate jack. Um, but he goes, I guess, in I guess he, he's picking up on all the different points that people are making there. Um, uh, hearing misconceptions and he's trying to you know i guess give the opposite or like give the rational points about them so i guess one of them is johnny i've wanted to make the phone thinner and he goes well no the iphone actually wasn't thinner for once we had the same thickness of the mobile phone that we had previously um so he just goes through a list of people have these conceptions or misconceptions about what it means and these are my opinions why it's not such a bad thing uh it's it's my, I guess it's my biggest negative about the whole thing. Um, I don't know. Sorry, I'm just trying to read through a few of these things at the moment. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like his, it's, it's his opinion. I don't particularly think it's maybe the correct opinion. Um, it is something that's going to piss off a lot of people. But again, it's not going to, a lot of people probably really don't care. Um, what do you guys think? Do you have any opinions on it, Dave? Seeing as you're going to, I suppose we talked about this all last week. We could only talk about that. Yeah, I'm over it. Yeah. I'll just, you know, I'll just mortgage my liver or something and buy the AirPods. <laughs> I think it's worth pointing out as well that only 40% of the phones that Apple are selling at the moment don't have a headphone jack. So they're selling five models at the moment. The 7, the 7 Plus, 6S, 6S Plus, and the SE. Three out of those five have headphone jacks. Yeah, but <clears throat> you don't really want to get you don't really want to get the if <laughs> you kind of do want to get the neurophone though, don't you? I guess maybe that's some people's mindsets, but like I was looking so you know, you guys are gonna get new phones, I'm not. I was looking today and I was thinking, well, you know, what if my phone just died tomorrow? Like what would I order? You know, what would I get? And I still think I'd get the SE based on, you know, I like smaller phones. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. The RS Technica review uh, pointed out that the SE has better battery life than the 7. Huh. Uh, just about. But uh, given my... That's, yeah, that's an interesting... Frequent one. sort of frustrations with battery life. I also don't have kids, so I don't take that many photos. Um, so the... For like the optical image stabilization in the seven, the normal size seven, which I think is really cool and is definitely going to make a difference at photography. I have really shaky hands, so um, my photos tend to come out bad, but it's not such a big issue for me. So, yeah, I kind of think ultimately they made a change. If it's a disaster, fair enough, but I, I'm not sure. There's some, the, the emotional component to it, I guess I just don't get. Yeah, I, I just think if you are going buying a phone, you buy the newest one, especially with Apple. You know, you just you're paying so much for it, you just want to get the most life out of it. You know, it's like um, you know, buying a whatever the last one is. Like you, you, you could be guaranteed one year of updates, and you just don't know. I think they're they're usually pretty good, but it's just you know, you just want to make sure that you you're as far away from falling off that upgrade cliff as you can be. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, fair point. Yeah, I think everyone will figure out what works for them best. And uh, we were right about one thing in surprise. last episode. <laughs> yeah, what, worst what case scenario, the, the, the podcast that gets the insignificant details right. 
Um, so we were talking about, um, I guess, the sort of two-button hold-down thing that you do for... Uh, Oh, right. I guess doing a hard reboot and then also kind of entering recovery mode. Um, so, yes, it used to be the home button and the sleep button, and now it's the sleep button and the volume down button. Yeah, it's fine. Go us. Yeah. Uh, and you can do that with one hand. That's yeah. much easier. <laughs> it's, uh, th- this is just coming out at the moment, I think, or recently enough, and it'll be old, old news, I guess, by the time the podcast goes out, but... Uh, the iOS 10 update is bricking some iPhones and iPads. Shut up, Baz. My status bar is literally... <laughs> and on the, ha- Has been crawling along. Did, Am I literally watching my phone being bricked? Yeah, this is on... Did you... you did, I mean... This would saying, be so unfair you mean, because you, you didn't back s- up your phone before you updated it, Thomas. Shut up, Baz. You were like running the first betas and you had no problems. If if this bricks my phone, this is going to be so unfair. So I'm on, it's on Gizmodo at the moment, I'm on, and on the left-hand side has an article saying, go download iOS 10 right now. And on the right, it's, no, <laughs> careful. Okay, so the status bar is just completed and disappeared. Is this still a gold master or is it actually out? No, it's actually out from it's 6 actually o'clock. Out. Yeah. Oh, okay. So my iPhone may be breaking on air. I'll keep you updated. No. Sure, grand. It'll be grand. Um... I think, yeah, go on. Is this a good time for us to start talking about what phones are you guys going to buy? Yeah, why not? Yeah, so... Baz, you have ordered. Yeah, mine's been ordered. Um, And what specs are you ordering? 7 Plus. So it had the 6 Plus, so I prefer the size. 7 Plus eventually went, made up my mind with the black because the scratches and stuff like that. Even though on the Gruber um, review, he said it has like the the best grippability. I'm probably going to get a case anyway. Um, I think the black looks good. And I went 128 gig, which I think is enough. But Dave turned around today and said, do you think 128 is big enough? Do you think any more about that, Dave? Yeah. I mean, look, well, what do I have? A 64 gig? Right, yeah. At the moment. And then I'm just wondering, like... Again, pictures, like, are they going to be ridiculous now? Is it the same? You know, it's probably the same by and large. There's not much difference in that respect. So I think, and I I think I'll go with the 128, uh, 7, not plus, and black. Not yet. You're probably going to be taking more live photos for a while while it's a new feature because we missed out on that. Um, Oh, yeah. Till I get bored of it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you got a new baby, so you're probably going to be taking photos of them. So when your phone starts up, it's going to be, yeah, your kid. <laughs> uh, he's, he's old now. It's, uh, it's grand. Yeah, so <laughs> um, I know of one other person that's jumping to the plus from the regular model. Um, mm-hmm. But I've seen, uh, yeah. For what it's worth, I think the 7 is definitely the right choice for you, just with the image stabilization in the camera this is also worth noting that the what apple are calling the telephoto lens the second camera does not have stabilization it's only the main camera Hmm. interesting so essentially does it use a kind of a combination of both or does it hinge off the other one no you get none you get nothing at all but there is (laughs) there's some integration 
you know, can, when you're pinching to zoom, you know, between the two cameras and it does some stuff in software. But ultimately, yeah, if you don't use the zoom fe- feature, the photos that you take on your phone will be exactly the same quality as the one, the ones on Dave's phone. Cool. I hear that the photos on the iPhone 7 screen, they look the best on the iPhone 7 screen uh, or the 7 plus screen. Um, so oh, this, the new color gamut thing. New color gamut, they, they they do look better on it. Not to say the screen is any better than an OLED screen, but um, the photos, you really will see a difference between um, the 6 and the 7 once you look at them on the screen of the newer phone. So that's what I'm looking forward to kind of seeing stuff like that. But if, again, how much you get used to it after a while, I'm not sure. I'm still looking forward to the 3 gig of RAM. <laughs> that's a big one for me. So, Baz, you're stepping up from a phone with one gig to three gigs? Mm, one gig to three. Wow. Yeah. So, I'm looking forward to apps not closing as much in the background. I said that a few times before. I don't know what I'm moving from, one to two? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the, the the extra RAM is probably just for the camera, mostly. It's probably one of the biggest hits going to be, anyway. It's an uncharacteristically large jump. Like, if any Android listeners... I sort of listen to this conversation and be like three gigs is sort of being standard, but because of the iOS memory model, like iOS has never needed that much memory to run, you know? So like the increase to three, two or three gigs is, it's been quite explosive, you know, it's, it's happened very quickly. Yeah. I guess my, uh, I suppose my MacBook Air only has four in it. Yeah. Speaking of MacBook Airs, Thomas. <laughs> What about them? Oh, yeah. So Jeff Atwood tweeted uh, some Geekbench scores showing um, that for most of the tests under Geekbench, which of course are artificial, but um, the this new A10 Fusion processor is matching the sort of generation of Intel processors, which were codenamed Sandy Bridge, that were in the 2011 uh, Mac line, including the MacBook Air. So literally, uh, you know, a supercomputer in your pocket. Yeah. And looking at this, it just the, the Galaxy Note 7. That's the new one that comes with the the hand warmer. Is that the one that goes on fire? Yeah. <laughs> um, that, like that's on the, this is Google Octane V2 that Jeff Atwood tweeted. The Galaxy Note 7 is 7,969 whatevers, and the iPhone 5S is 7,789. And then when you get to the 7, it's 26,101. <laughs> so it's almost four times faster on this particular um, benchmark than the Note 7. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah. People are saying they're just getting further and further ahead of... Uh pretty much all the competition yeah but again it's only it's like it's it's kind of one of these things that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things like there's still you know there's there's still glaring issues with software and stuff that that they're way behind on but yeah yeah you know siri can fail faster now great (laughs) but no i won't i won't knock it it's uh i think it's comparatively more difficult to find a task to do in ios that immediately is obviously sort of cpu bound so in some ways that the kind of 
are these phones almost getting overpowered? I think a lot of the the blurring at one stage was really, really bad. Right. You did the phones just really kind of struggle to do some of it on the older phones, you know. They weren't built to do that much image processing on them. But even I was I was showing you today, like um pulling down the notifications to load your messages so slow on the iPhone 6 Plus. And I'm wondering when I get the new phone, is it going to be the same speed or will it be faster? You know, hopefully faster. <laughs> so one of the things, Baz, you'll find a difference when you get your new phone is um, the um, the storage controller is much faster. Now, they changed it last year. They changed it with the 6S. Okay. But essentially, they took the, um, you know, this is quite interesting for other reasons, but the... Um, the storage controller, so they, in the 6S, they switched to a different um, protocol for like communication with the storage. I'm going to get some of these details wrong, but essentially it's the difference between, I think the old one was called NVM and was ultimately kind of SATA or SCSI based. Yep. And they the, basically what they did in the 6S is they took the storage control, the, the kind of storage chip, um, the controller chip, from the MacBook, the small MacBook, and essentially shrunk it down and put it in the iPhone. Okay. Uh, which is quite interesting. So it's now essentially PCI Express um, based. So, um, you yeah, should see so some quicker message uh, recovery and stuff like that. Well, yeah, I guess if it's disk bound, which I guess a lot of core data stuff is, which, you know, um, runs messages. So, uh, yeah, no, I think you might see uh, something interesting. Cool. Yeah. It's going to just small little increments like that, you know. So do you want some um, real-time follow-up? Yeah. Is your f- My phone is not bricked. Okay. Okay. Slightly less interesting radio, but I'm okay, I'm okay with that. Yeah. It's slow. Baz, get ready to send him... Uh, a thumbs up. I He's fucking already, already sent it, Dave. Done it. I've already, already sent it. done it. <laughs> Thank you, Baz, for christening my phone. It's not. It's not my most impressive penis drawing. <laughs> so, Dave, you need to get on this now after the podcast. Yeah, Dave, don't. Baz is turning messages into like fucking Snapchat or something. My my phone only tells me that nine point three point five is available. Yeah, that's what happened to Thomas earlier. I might have to upgrade to that first. We'll see. As it doesn't do the up if you set the alarm if you set the update overnight. It turns um, off your alarms. No, it won't run because you've an alarm. Oh. That's what it says to me. It's I wake up and it says the update didn't run because you had an alarm set, you know. Which I appreciate, like, you know. Um so yeah, any listeners still on iPhone five, I would or sorry, five S, which I'm on, I would definitely hesitate to upgrade no i think well look it's 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 busy recognizing and yes. detecting horses for at least <laughs> a day or two yeah so best thing to do is plug it in leave it in the background leave it for a while because it would while you're doing stuff it will be downloading and processing all that crap for you um it's probably doing a ton of stuff when i first upgraded my six plus it was hot as hell for ages it was really yeah, really 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 hot um, and yeah, that, that will go. You'll be fine. And you'll be able to detect all the horses. Because hmm. the problem is, is, and Dave, this speaks to your point about, you know, you should always get the latest phone. 
Like if you look at Apple love posting these graphs about like CPU or GPU performance. Um, my, oh God, Baz, you've just liked to text, text message of mine. Is this the future? <laughs> oh, this is going to be so tedious. I've been waiting for this day for months. <laughs> I'm going to ruin you guys. <laughs> so literally, Dave, I just got a text uh, a notification, a bing, and it was Baz liked one of my texts. I didn't care what so the text lame. was. I just wanted to like it. <laughs> this is so lame. Oh, my God. And so, actually, an interesting one. I downloaded um, the update to Alto's Revenge. Really nice uh, snowboarding game today. And that came with stickers. So, oh. you might, so you might see oh. games or... You might see games that you download that are coming with stickers now. So I can send Thomas stickers and stuff like this that I got from a game, which is kind of interesting. It is. And it's, um, you know, because they're, they're a big part of, especially if they can be unlocked as you play, because that's a big part of Steam, even not, not one I, I bother with, but you know, like every now and then stickers and things pop into my inventory. Yeah. I don't really, I don't really understand this. I'm, I'm, I'm old, but you know. <laughs> I'm sure there's some segment of the market that that would want that would want them. Yeah. Dave, will you please refresh um, the software update thing and settings, and please download iOS 10 because Baz is spamming me with all this awful messaging stuff. I'm getting stickers. I'm getting. Is, do something in the group chat and see if I can see any of it. Fireworks? No, because he's tried this before and. Now, oh. That was when it was beta. You know? <laughs> There's an image searching thing on it, so I, I sent him a Donald Trump GIF. Making group making text messages great again. <laughs> this is I think this is definitely a delete your account situation. I've been waiting so long for this, <laughs> this to happen. Is, please, Dave, because Baz is nobody else to, to spam with all this stuff. It's painful. I'm trying to refresh, but it just won't let me. Maybe they pulled it because with all this. Anyway, my phone's not bricked, which is always good, right? Yeah, it's great. You should celebrate with some wine. I'm right. <laughs> it's the little things. Oh, and I've got real-time collaboration on my spreadsheets. Ooh, perfect. Yeah, I had a business idea. You know, like Twitch? Yeah. You should have that for spreadsheets. I'd totally subscribe. It'd be rapid. Twitch or spreadsheets? Yeah, so uh, this, this is interesting. Um, so you mentioned... The last time, well, probably in person, about uh, it was on showed up on Hacker News last week. Joe Spolsky's "You Don't Know Excel" or something like that. His his talk. He was these was originally one of the program managers of Excel when he was at Microsoft, and it's basically him using Excel like a like a pro. And in the Hacker News comments, someone showed um, linked to a video by. Uh, pronounce his name Martin Shkreli I think he's the the guy who's kind of infamous for hiking the price of those life-saving drugs and all that sort of stuff oh yeah um and basically he it's him he's he's a, a series of these over hour-long tutorials on Excel and doing financial analysis with Excel and he's on another level altogether like I mean dude this this guy doesn't even like it's like a mouse what's that like he's he's playing the keyboard like it's like it's a piano and things are just dropping everywhere like it's um one of the most impressive 
functional uses of Excel I've seen, you know, with someone actually just sitting down, talking through a problem and just working through it without even thinking. Um, it was unreal. I think this is a, a like a really fascinating area because I would say that most programmers, and I would include myself in this category, don't have a advanced Excel knowledge. Like, you know, I think we can use it, but I... But yet I know other people who aren't programmers, but who are advanced um, Excel users. Um, and like my friend Emmett, who's amazing at, at Excel, does these insane stuff that I don't understand. And I sometimes suggest to him, oh, like, would you consider learning Python? Um, just to, you know, kind of give yourself a bit more power. And he'd be like, oh, no, that that's programming. That's like really hard. Like, I could never do that. Um and there's something about Excel and that kind of declarative programming model, I suppose, as opposed to a procedural one that I think is fascinating. Like, I loved the Joel Spolsky video just because he was sort of um, jokingly sort of teasing his employees about, like, you know, like none of your baby stuff. This is like proper work. I just thought it was really interesting. <laughs> and apparently when the financial people are training their the juniors or whatever to use Excel, they actually plug out the mouse and take it away. Wow. So they, they don't actually, they're just not allowed to use a mouse. It makes you think that, like, yes, Excel is a very powerful tool and Microsoft have continued to iterate on it. But in some ways, it's not so much different from VisiCalc when Don Bricklin, is that his name? Um, Dan. Dan uh, wrote it back in the day. And for all the sort of, We've seen a particular focus on children and Scratch, which we've talked about before in the podcast, but surely there is another tool that makes, um, that gives kind of people who don't see themselves as programmers more power to do analysis. I I just find it difficult that like, you know, Visicalc basically nailed it and everything else is just a refinement on the concept. You wonder if there's another step that we're missing here. Yeah, it's an interesting area of, of study and there's been a few um few talks uh that I've watched on specifically on that subject. Like I mean, going back to the kind of beginner stuff you've you know, paper its logo and stuff like that. But um I think what we, we need to move towards um it's kind of programming as distributed cognition, basically where you you use the, the 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 program or the programming as an extension of just how you would normally think, and to make something that's reasonably in tune with the way that that humans actually think about these problems. So there's been a few attempts, but I'm not I'm not overly um I'm not overly impressed with them. They all seem to suffer from the same the same problem with they have their own domain specific language or domain specific uh, interface which has to be overcome first. Um, and then you take it to the other extreme and you have stuff like Siri, which, you know, not really, it, it could be a good interface for that kind of stuff. Um, you know, if you're sitting at a spreadsheet and you could just go, okay, well, show me the top 10 performing stuff with a cost base of X with a whatever of Y in year to date, you know, and then it just does it. So I think there's, there's scope for that kind of thing, like, but how far off it is and how actually feasible it is given the actual use cases that people will 
will require uh, remains to be seen, I suppose. I always thought and there was a gap in database tools, actually, for this reason. Like, I know the makers of FileMaker came out with something called Bento. This is a good few years ago, back, maybe like five, six years ago, which was meant as a sort of simplified database program for uh, normal people. Because I think that's one of the things that Excel doesn't do well just because of its um, its design, this this concept of, like, records. Um because the thing about SQL is it, it's a declarative language, like a, an SQL statement stands on its own. Um, and I do think lots of like people in normal jobs have to deal with records a lot, um, which I think is, is slightly different conceptually to tabular data. Um, but the past few years, I haven't seen anything sort of that's exciting on that. But just giving, you know, this it seems to be there's lots of innovation around big data uh, and stuff. But for me, the like there needs to be a re- revolution in small data, um, just enabling people to deal with their customer list of a few hundred um, and being able to sort of powerfully uh, manipulate that data. So maybe that's... Uh, Microsoft Access is pretty good. Is that still around? Yeah, the problem is it's not on Mac, so right. That's why I kind of ignore it. And yeah, like you can you can do up a user interface. You can do like you can actually have an build an entire app inside of Microsoft Access. Wow. Yeah, and you talk to people who, especially sort of in the maybe late nineties, early two thousands, were able to use Access to do. You know, you'd hear about people who are basic and access consultants, right? Who'd talk to people, model their problem and whack something out in access really, really quickly. Um, it does seem a shame. That then they figured out that they could charge more for websites and then they figured out they could charge even more for apps. <laughs> That's why we're really rich. <laughs> That's it, yeah. But the web has not, like, You'd wonder why there isn't a good access equivalent on the web, right? Because, like, the tools should be there, right? Um, why? You know, I joke about writing my own Max um, CRM application to keep track of my support calls, but why isn't there a tool where anybody could kind of create their own CRM tool by just dragging some fields and, you know, Hypercard. Yeah, that's what we need. Yeah. I, I definitely think you're right. And I wonder, like, I mean, and it's, you, you kind of have the the big boys then with, like, Salesforce, um, which is essentially that. And you can, you know, there's, like, certified Salesforce consultants for setting stuff up. So that, that kind of thing is on the web, but it is, it's much, as you said, it's it's bigger data. Have you ever than... used, have you guys ever used Salesforce? No. <sighs> mm. <laughs> use is uh glared Subjected at disdainfully i suppose yeah so i did i use i use salesforce um when i managed a charity salesforce are very generous uh they're very generous charity program um and actually i think one of the early employees of salesforce has come to limerick this week on the startup grind thing but anyway that's the point and definitely doesn't support what I'm going to say. Salesforce is awful. That classic example of enterprise software that isn't opinionated enough to liberate users from 
Like, that's what I think is missing. Like, Salesforce is hugely powerful, but its interface is a dog's dinner as a result, or at least was three years ago when I used it. Um, yeah. And is almost user hostile. Um, I just, I know this stuff is difficult, um, but somebody somewhere has the genius to come up with a really opinionated way of doing this stuff that just makes sense. We have the tools. We probably had the tools for a very long time. We even have a template like Dave, you mentioned access and hypercard. Like this stuff has been done um, in tools that actually can contain very, you know, fairly complex application logic. I'd love to see it. Um, it seems wrong to me that like some of what we do as programmers is really difficult, but other stuff that we do as programmers actually like, people other people could do who wouldn't see themselves as programmers and it's back to that steve jobs quote about you know computers being a bicycle for the mind um love to see a few more tools sort of really recognizing square wheels yeah exactly so speaking of spreadsheets anyway to that thomas you you put them to, to good use today yeah back to the iphone thing i have a bit of an obsession about the term free upgrade when it comes to a mobile phone carrier pricing plans. Um, I'm also a bit interested in the economics of it because it does seem to me that um, buying a mobile phone plan seems to me the, the canonical example of making you spend more by making comparison as difficult as possible, either between competing companies or even between differing products or uh, offered by the same company. So they, um, so I've, I've been a person who buys phones direct from Apple and then gets SIM only deals. So I'm never in a contract. Um, so when you guys were talking about your kind of contract options today, we, uh, unfortunately only I could look at the spreadsheet because, uh, the, uh, fabled revolutionary collaborative, uh, iWork features, um, haven't been released yet. <laughs> uh, but, uh, it was interesting to find out that actually some of the, um, some of the f- deals being offered by carriers in Ireland, um, around the release of the iPhone 7 were actually pretty good value. And actually in some cases saved you money over buying a phone outright from Apple and then getting a SIM only contract thought was interesting yeah because it's always good i guess to i suppose it's always nicer to spread it out isn't it over a certain amount of time rather than forking out the whole lot it's uh, up front i think it was over a hundred euro over the the two-year contract that you ended up saving by by being on the the upgrade contract yeah yeah then going not too yeah. bad like you know and out of all you you checked thomas you checked meteor Vodafone, air and three or a few of them anyway. Well, yeah. So, and the famous comment from you, Baz, was I think it was um, Air, who don't publish their SIM-only plans online. Um, but I uh, subjected myself to live chat with an agent who uh, gave me the details of Air's SIM-only plans. And you commented, Baz, that there were plans for old people. Uh, Dave said that. <laughs> Baz, you totally said that. Did I say that? You did. So I think what you meant was, it's a really good point, is that, like, younger people don't care about minutes. 
Oh yeah, no, that was me. I said it's underwhelming unless you're an old person. <laughs> yes, thanks, <laughs> you, thanks, Steve. Definitely wasn't me. Who said I don't that. even look at the icons. Normally, I can tell when bad's been cheeky. I, my my, com- my yeah. comment was, I realised that we are old people. That was my comment. I was like, <laughs> wait a minute, we are old. Mm. So yeah, but basically, they they don't really have the the gigage. Yeah, they they don't, and so we are all independently with the same um carrier which is three mm-hmm. um they're grand they're okay yeah, like that, like definitely not perfect but they're the only carrier that offers unlimited data and i assume it's the same for all of us that it's less about the unlimited but more about not wanting to worry about data yeah yeah it's pretty much it i mean i doubt i i nor i'd say most months I don't even go over a gig, but I'm not willing to think about my data usage. Yeah, that's and it. And it's just it's knowing that if you're if you're stuck somewhere and you do stream Netflix, that you're not going to be killed. Yeah. On the bill. And it's 40 quid a month. It's it's pretty good price compared to a lot of the other uh, long term contracts that are out there anyway. And pretty responsive on Twitter, Dave, as you found out today. Yeah, but still, like... I, I think mean, most companies need to be responsive on Twitter, don't they? They're very they're, worried about it. Their website's crap. Um, you click on upgrade, the web, the links just break. You know, there's... I don't know. Um, there's there's something going on there anyway. So I just said, your website's broken. When will it be fixed? And then they were like, oh, I can check your upgrade for you. So then I have to, like, enter into a conversation with someone and, like, dig out my customer numbers off my bills and everything i just wanted to click three buttons and have an iphone you know <laughs> i don't want to like talk to other people yeah i mean that's that's the thing about the, the 3g like i mean or the the data or whatever like i have um the pdf of my bill for um first of august to the 31st of august and my internet was only three gig. Okay. For that, for the entire, uh, and the website broke. (laughs) It's interesting that in the UK, I think there's a lot more competition where they've had new um, entrants into the market. So EE and GIFGAF. I think GIFGAF might be a virtual operator. Um, But there seems to be a lot more innovation in the UK market. Um, and similarly in the US market, there seems to be correspondingly less innovation. So, yeah, it's not enough competition. I'm already at six gig for this month so far. However, I managed it. Yeah, Tree's website really does suck. I'm trying to get my password back for reasons outside of our control. It may take a few hours for your text to arrive. I'm trying to get a password reminder. <laughs> Ouch. I know. It came in. It came in. One password, Baz. One password. Yeah. Oh no! Wait, they they changed the subscription model. They I'm angry did, and they just did six months free, I believe, um, or three months yeah. free. But um, when it, when it stops working, when the one I bought two years ago stops working, I'll I'll figure something out. Yeah, their password format is documented anyway. So, so yeah, three good value, and if if the website works, you might you might get a phone. <laughs> Baz, what 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 are Apple doing in the App Store? Um, 
They're removing mine and Dave's app. That's what they did. <laughs> do you definitely, like, is it definitely a victim of this? No, this this has nothing to do with this. This is just coincidence more than anything. I just read recently that if you go into your purchase history on the iTunes app on your phone, you can see every single app that you've ever purchased. And even if it isn't on the App Store anymore, you can still download it. So myself and Dave, anyway, we tried to find um, our very first app that we released, um, which was called Word Snap Contraption. But uh, it's not there anymore. So I was kind of wondering what was up with that. Was that due to, I guess, our old App Store account not being in use anymore? Did we need to maintain that account? Um, or as Dave said, the app probably isn't compatible anymore. But um what, what Apple, I guess, are doing is they are removing apps that um, are obsolete or aren't being updated regularly enough. Um, sorry, I need to go on the link. Um, okay, so yeah, they're, they're, I guess they're trying to remove apps that, uh, I suppose, you know, you, you, you did a tutorial on the internet, not you specifically, but one did a tutorial on the internet where they learned how to make a Flappy Bird app or an app that fills a UI table view, something very, very simple. And then you went and you proceeded to get an App Store account and you somehow got your app onto the App Store and it's useless. It's it's not a very, very good app. They'll be removing stuff like that, low effort apps um, and just really, really poor, poor apps, I guess, like that, you know, little, little amount of effort into them. Um, also, I guess if you um, aren't updating your app regularly enough, they might just you know, pull it as well. It's just to remove the amount of apps that are up there. So I guess they boast constantly about half a billion apps, but really we all know a lot of it is just garbage. And not that I've ever put garbage up in the app store, um, <laughs> but I, I guess it is a way of removing a lot of crud up there. I don't know. Do you guys go searching for apps much or do you always know what you want? Does this affect you at all? I think for me, it's one of these cases where I gave up on discoverability on the App Store a long time ago. So I'm yeah. sure it's better now. I'm sure it's better. Um, but I've just given up. I think they've gotten better at kind of um, creating different categories of games. But then a lot of times, like I go into ones and kind of try and find different games inside, inside them. But it's it's the same apps, you know. They're popular apps they show off a lot of the time. Uh, it's rare that I ever find anything new. And every so often I do try to go in and find new games. Um, that's really only what appeals to me on the App Store most of the time. And I've, yeah, no, it's so rare now that I find a good game that I want to play. Yeah, it's usually word of mouth. Yeah. Apps these days. But I can't even remember the last time. <laughs> yeah, I was just searching my uh, App Store history. <sighs> <laughs> for word snap it's not there you can do it in itunes as well which and you can actually search it oh okay it's not there so not there at all oh, well. yeah i guess some other things i guess if apps crash and load up and stuff like this they're just gonna remove them they're gonna use the lose their x million apps on the app store stat as a result but no bad thing they've kind of stopped that haven't they yeah only recently though it was a stupid measure anyway but they can give a cumulative anyway this many apps have been approved on the apps. <laughs> <laughs> I see something we discussed a few months ago. Maybe it's just worth sort of reiterating. Like, I see Apple are, are taking some bits of the App Store seriously. And there are some bits that have benefited us personally as developers, like quicker 
uh, app store reviews, but I don't see a serious effort to improve the app store system. Um, certainly something I'd maybe like, I'd be interested for us to discuss on a future episode is, um, there've been a few sort of high profile indie failures on the app store. And the most recent one being, uh, the announcement that, uh, Vesper is shutting down. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's interesting that like even the, in inverted commas, celebrity developers are, uh, you know, not able to make it work. I've yeah. never heard of that app, but I'm pretty useless in that stuff. <laughs> I mean, do you expect... Pe- You've heard of it though, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a unique case though. Do you, respect, do you expect regular people to know what it is? Or, I mean, just because these people are big in the, the app world, uh, you know, I'm not going to buy celebrities' music. We definitely talked about this before, Baz, when they released it. Yeah. It probably didn't interest me, you know. It's not a it's not an app that I download. It's for notes, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That stuff doesn't that stuff doesn't we interest me. Doesn't take notes. Yeah, um, but like you know, I might know of a a new perfume line that some celebrity has released. I'm not going to download it. Don't really care. These guys, you know, there's lots of. <laughs> you wouldn't download you wouldn't a perfume. A perfume. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, wasn't thinking there. Um, but you know, I know tons of, um, game developers that release content all the time. Celebrities, I'm not going to download them. They don't automatically, being a celebrity in the video game world doesn't automatically equate to great sales of whatever you're doing. No, but we're talking about like, you know, possibly like John Gruber in terms of podcasting as a website in terms of one of the best known among who though kind of blogger stroke podcast in the apple kind of so i guess what i'm saying is like i get your point baz about just because they're celebrity people doesn't mean anything but like they have profile and they're also recognized as being people who like brent simmons is a you know, a, a developer that I deeply respect. I've read lots of his stuff. I find it really interesting. If the superstars of our sector can't make it, then what's the hope for some of the rest of us? Yeah, I think I, I think I discovered that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> the world it's, is catching up to your cynicism. I think it's been that way for a long time, though. It's been that way since the start, realistically, unless it's still marketing. You know, I think it is. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like any other, t- any other thing that you need to sell. Like, you know, you've, you've the slow burn word of mouth. You have celebrity to sell it. That's advertising. But literally they launched Vesper. I didn't hear that much about it afterwards. You know, that was, that was it. And then when they mentioned it again, I was like, Oh, that, you know, um, I, I think if you want to, to succeed, you have to have money and you have to spend money. And that's the only thing I've seen working. And I see it working with even small things like just putting a tenor on a Facebook post for a local business. You know, mm-hmm. that really works. Yeah. You know, it, it's scary how how well that actually works. So if we're, um, if we're poor, we'll stay poor. That's yeah. it. And I, I, I don't, I, it's, it's very rare that apps are used long term as well. I mean, the, 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 this app would have probably been something you've, they intended to use every day or frequently enough, but. Apps for me are once-off, kind of like Halo apps or guitar tuner apps. They're the apps that I keep around um, 
just to use every so often. I've the Spotify app that I use every day, um, a Reddit client that I use every day. But besides that, you know, apps come and go for me and uh, an app like that, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to get people to use every day. A lot of spending apps as well. Like Dave, I think we were talking in person yesterday about a spending app you were using. I've used spending yep. apps, uh, before. It's that going in every day and using it for its intended purpose. People just don't do it. So I think those apps are very, very hard to, um, promote and, you know, get people to download yeah. and use constantly and then want to buy into them even more with in our purchases or whatever. Yeah. And it's interesting as well that this week Overcast, um, has changed its business model. Really? Yeah. So Marcos changed it up every, every year pretty much, but the way he's talking about it is, um, basically he said it just hasn't brought in enough money. There's an ad in my overcast. There is. Yeah. So year one, uh, free upfront limited features and you bought it for four ninety nine. So again, he said that brought in good money, but it declined as the one off stuff do. Um, so then year two was free for all features and an optional one month, $1 a month patronage. And that wasn't enough. So what he started doing in year three, which is now free for almost everything with simple ads on some screens and everyone now gets the dark theme, which was previously restricted to the patrons and patronage is now overcast premium and it's a tenner a year for ad free use, file uploads and some future features. So I, I think, um, I think Marco Arman is learning quite a lot from um, David Smith, who is uh, yes. a very prolific developer, who has just been announced uh, for the speaker list for Ool. Sweet. Um, and actually, out of all the people they've mentioned, he's the one sort of pure app developer that they've announced. So uh, that'd be super interesting. But my sense about David Smith is that he's a super realistic developer, um, especially about economics and the App Store. Um and I, because David Smith and Marco Armand have a podcast together called Under the Radar, I, um, and David Smith does use, um, advertising a lot in his apps and a very data driven approach to, uh, to, um, monetization. He had a really interesting blog, blog post recently, actually, where he analyzed his income from his apps, um, from in-app purchases upfront. Uh, money and ads and uh, I love when people are sort of really open and free with their data because it, it showed really interesting thing but his, his study and it wasn't released that long ago uh, really showed that um, advertising was where the future was so I imagine that informed the direction of Overcast hmm. Yeah so I'm, I'm I'm happy enough to like I don't need any of the features that are behind the the paywall and, you know, I'm kind of, I'm deciding whether to sign up or not or, or try out Castro instead or, you know. Thomas, now you've got iOS 10, are you going to delete any stock apps? Ugh. This is something I guess people don't even talk about anymore. I only just remembered I could do it. I guess I've already done it. Okay, who's going? Um, tips? Get rid of tips. Ah, uh, but you never know. <laughs> oh my God, I'd like a good tip. I got rid of the podcast app. You gotta figure out the uh, 
the new iOS 10 tips that you might know, you know? Uh, yeah. I think the one that was most insulting, I think, for most people, it certainly was to me, was the Stocks app. Because, um, A, clearly that had no system functionality. Like, there's no overlap. And also... Does, no. it, not, does it not work at widgets? Oh, maybe. But you know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> kind of like... Yeah. The the concept of the iPhone as a rich person's device. I'm trying to find it. I've obviously hidden it. Uh, yeah, it's deep down. I actually have a use for my wallet app now. I have my Ool ticket in it. Uh, wallet app is quite um it's quite smart actually because I've gone to the airport before with my um pass on my phone and uh you know it hasn't worked and the guy's like, Oh, can you turn the brightness up in your phone? If you open the wallet app, it's blinding it goes full full brightness (laughs) i have to say like wallet app has revolutionized and it's a very strong word but it really has like flying for me especially with ryanair just like the fact that you don't have to unlock your phone to show your um show your boarding pass um it's amazing how does that work does it know that you're in an airport so it uh, recommends the wallet app down the bottom left time-based so it knows your departure time and about i think something like two and a half hours before it puts it on your lock screen nice and so you can so as a notification you can swipe the notification and it will show your boarding pass so it means you don't have to unlock your phone um super clever cool that's making you happy thomas the thing that is making me happy this week is open street map i was on holiday um recently um and i was in a foreign country so i used an ios app i used galileo um which allowed you to download um offline maps to your phone vector maps as well so and they're fairly small file size um so for listeners who don't know OpenStreetMap is basically an open source equivalent to Google Maps. So it is an attempt to create a free and open source map of the world. Um, I personally contributed to OpenStreetMaps quite a bit. So I've done quite a lot of uh, East County Limerick. Um, so a lot, an awful lot of the roads um, that's changed recently because people have been constantly editing it. But a lot of the initial work in East County Limerick was... Um, was mine um so it's really it's really pleasing sort of benefiting from an open source project that you previously contributed to so yeah and it filled a niche that apple maps or google maps couldn't really uh couldn't really have fulfilled for me and it it certainly made being on holiday in another country a whole lot easier oh yeah go open street map yeah and um apparently recently some pokemon finder app was using like nearly all of the open street map capacity and (laughs) nearly nearly brought them down it was a really and the open street map uh dot org community is is kind of interesting because it's it's sort of nerdy as a lot of these communities are but in sort of a gentle bearded sort of way so the communication between that developer this um Pokemon app and the open street map people was just really funny because it was just really gentle and sort of oh would you mind not you know using all of our server capacity please um so yeah no it was, it was an interesting little exchange 
<laughs> so I suppose what's making me happy after that prolonged silence um, is uh, REPL.IT, REPL.IT or .IT or whatever is a, obviously we all know what a, a REPL is, Redevaluate Print Loop, um, and it is essentially an online compiler, but it actually allows you to have classes to set up examples, to give assignments, to have the student actually do the work inside of the the environment, and it actually does unit tests on oh, wow. the stuff in the browser. So um, the, the the just thing is just trying to actually set this stuff up yourself, you know, and battle with with things like uh, you know network policies and servers and student data and um privacy and all that all that sort of stuff where you have your own, where you're using your own server or you're having student data outside of the outside of you know on unsecure stuff this makes it um makes it a lot nicer because you can just uh create the stuff student can type it in in the web browser and get get feedback Very cool. cool Dave. i'm oh. looking at it now it's interesting that um, the talking about it is a REPL. You you do kind of like you type it in, and you do have to yeah. click run. Yeah, you do. It, it's strange, but the thing is, it's like there is no REPL for C or C plus plus. True, you know. And now someone will point out that there is, but you know, it's not. It's not like Python where you start Python and it's a REPL. You know. So um, what's super impressive? Like I'm just trying out the Python one. Um, but the autocomplete, like the like this is like a full IDE, right? Yeah. Um in terms of the autocompletion you're getting super impressive and very fast. Yeah, and just you don't have it's uh, what what I like is that a beginner can do it at home without having to battle with Visual Studio and you know, that that stuff. Every so. sort of beginner's programming tutorial or books does seem to like the first quarter is taken up by setting up your environment so it's a really nice or it leaves it out altogether. yeah yeah so that this is perfect like it's just like go here you can create a link to the classroom and the students can log in and see their assignments and you know you're not messing around with git you don't have to teach people git who don't even know what a command line is before they can submit assignments you know it's it's really nice um it's free which is great and I hope it stays free. And it supports Swift. I just wrote some I just wrote a Hello World and Swift. Oh well then. <laughs> and it worked. It's, you you have to keep learning Swift now. <laughs> to start. <laughs> That's it. You've you've started. <laughs> it's official. QBasic is here. APL fourth. Um right. emoticon lol code. Baz, you should... Scheme, Rust, Ruby, all the Pythons. Lol code, that sounds like your thing. Baz, you're being all quiet. Oh, did you ask me? I'm asking you now. All right. <laughs> Baz, what's making me happy? Um, Guess... Because it clearly isn't your collection of ex- expensive headphones that you're going to have to throw away. It was not. <laughs> well, I've only got one good pair of headphones now, I guess. I'll keep that. I'll use the dongle. I'll be donglified. Be fine. Um, what's making me happy this week is we had a very small, but our very first iPhone developers meetup on Saturday. 
And I guess it'll be the first of many, but it was nice, I guess, you know. Um, it was just, I guess, a dry run and we got a bunch of iPhone developers together. Um, people who I knew, I knew everyone anyway. Um, but you know, you guys had meet, were meeting people for the first time and we did a talk on auto layout. Um, just to kind of go through it and people picked up a few things they hadn't picked up before. I picked up a few things that I didn't know about and it was great. And hopefully then, yeah, we can continue to have more of these going on in Limerick in the future and maybe on uh, find out because it seems like where we live is quite small. We seem to know all the iOS developers, but there's probably, there's probably another 10 or 15 we don't know about. Um, I wouldn't be surprised anyway. There seems to be iOS developers everywhere. So hopefully anyway, in the next few months, we'll have uh, you know bigger and better things. It's always nice to do something like this. Yeah, you gave a good talk. I enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks. Kind of uh, kind of winged it. <laughs> the thing that is making Baz is... The thing that is making Baz happy is Baz. Yeah, and all you there guys... You <laughs> I, I did like how I did like how small it was and how you know people just kind of jumped in with stuff um, yes and questions you know it was just kind of like try this now do this now you know yeah that was really um, really fun because it was like we were really figuring out stuff on the fly inside and there and then we got this one there was one amazing moment where everything worked but that had no right to work I guess or we didn't think was going to work. And uh, yeah. the, out- the outcome was fantastic. We had this really smooth animation that just kind of, and then, yeah, it, it just clicked in for a few people inside. You know, their-, their problems were solved instantly. And then we went on the piss afterwards, which was really good. Always good. <laughs> so if anything, if any of these events are terrible in the future, at least we know we can always go to the pub afterwards. And it's a great excuse then. So I guess it could be a good networking thing as well for people like that you know ios developers to meet up awesome Mm. thanks for coming guys (laughs) (laughs) and thanks thomas because you gave up your office for us yeah you're like a modern day jesus there you go (laughs) 